the Dragonlance Nexus is proud to present the Dragonlance Canticle. Greetings, friends and fellow companions, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Dragonlance Canticle. I'm Trinipus Whiteman. I am joined tonight by my co-hosts, Ed McKeel and Chuck Martinell. And we have two very special guests tonight. My show notes say legendary. I don't know if they would, uh, how they feel about that term. But uh, our guests tonight are Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Margaret and Tracy, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Uh, It's good to be here. I am a legend in my own mind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can tell it's going to be one of these nights. Um, So... What what we're kind of doing tonight is a bit of a uh, what we call a fireside chat. Just um, some old friends sitting around telling stories um, and maybe clearing up a few things that people have been confused about over the years uh, and everything. So, well, I'd appreciate that. I've been confused for a number of years, and uh, <laughs> if you guys can clear this up for me, that would be a huge help. Oh, we were relying on you, Tracy. So he was our model for Zithnam and Fizban. <laughs> <laughs> when so, Ed, oh shoot, I'm supposed to let you talk, but I my story time here. When I uh, first got my copy of the Dragonlance campaign setting, uh, you know, it's brand new and everything. I wanted Tracy to autograph it. Yeah, I wanted a few autographs, and I had to leave for something. So I had someone grab his autograph. And I said, now you have him signed right by the picture of Fisman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you probably got it back and said, what is this scribble that you got? Yeah. You didn't get this actually signed. You just went on the corner and scribbled something on here, right? <laughs> Well, you know, one thing, so one thing I uh, I want to talk about is uh, here we are, we're, what, 37 years after Dragonlance started? Did you guys ever think that we would still be talking Dragonlance? <laughs> we didn't think we'd get the first book published. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We didn't think we were going to get out of the first year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when those when those first modules came out, those the modules you're talking about, when the first modules came out, I think we had like three of the first modules had come out and the company tried to kill the project. And this was this was before the books uh, uh, the books were out at all. And uh, they uh, I, I can remember someone coming up to me and saying, well, we don't think they're performing that well. And so uh, we're we think we're probably just going to give up on the whole thing. Um, and, uh, I, I, I was the person on the design floor who actually owned a suit. So I, I put on my coat and I put on my tie and I, I went in to, uh, foreign territory, which was the accounting department and, um, and sales and researched the sales on those first novels, excuse me, on those first adventure modules. And uh, we discovered that the sa- sell in to the uh, game stores on those modules was the same as everything else, which was, of course, people just bought the usual amount. Um, but the reorders on them um, consistently over the months was three times what any other adventure module was doing at the time. And so armed with actual numbers, I I, I took my suit and tie and and braved the C-suite area and and uh, convinced them once again not to uh, not to kill Dragonlance. Wow. Hey, you know, I've heard so many stories throughout the years, and that's one I had not heard. So <laughs> that's cool. Well, I'm us... amazed. I thought I told all the stories, Travis. <laughs> you probably well, did, and I wasn't paying attention. So <laughs> well, that could have been. Oh, maybe you were asleep. It was late in the seminar. And... Who knew? <laughs> well, Margaret, when they when they first did the books, they didn't think we were going to sell all of them, right? Yeah, they thought um, they they thought that uh, well, Random House, who was our distributor, told them that nobody was going to buy them because who had ever heard of Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman? 
And so they convinced them that they should, we instead of a trilogy, we were just going to put out one book, Dragons of Autumn Twilight, and they were going to sell it for two ninety five. So hopefully somebody would buy it. And that's why we had to have the wedding, the happy ending, the wedding at the end, because which it was scheduled to be, I think, in book two or three, because they didn't ever expect to publish book two and three. So, yeah, so <laughs> that was another time. <laughs> wow. We thought a... that Dragonlance was going to die. That Not to mention when the company went bankrupt and they fired half half our game design team and uh yeah it uh it, it's the, it's the surprising it, hmm? go ahead margaret i'm sorry no you go ahead i was going to say does uh does dragonland seem to go through these cycles where it's like it's got a life and then it seems to, you know, quote unquote die and then it comes back and once again and then it just keeps coming back. I think maybe you'd better field that one, Margaret. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, well, once we got the first three books out and of course, the minute that first book hit the bestseller list. TSR was suddenly on board. Oh, wow, this great product, you know, and the game modules were selling and it was, so we got the first three books out. We knew we wanted to write Raceland's story, the, the twins. And so we had the three next three books in our minds. And then that was where it was going to end. Uh, and it's interesting because Tracy always said that the most difficult thing about Dragonlance would be to start it but the really difficult thing would be to end it and that proved to be true because even after Tracy and I had moved on and we're doing Dark Sword and Deathgate and our other novel series uh, TSR still wanted to crank out Dragonlance because it was selling and um, so then you know they published prequels they published sequels um and then we got into the whole fifth age thing and uh, then Watsi bought it and, you know, sales really dipped after Saga because of the cards. Um, people were not happy with that. And that was when you remember Peter Atkinson saying <laughs> it was at an employee meeting. My daughter was there. And because uh, she was working for Watsi at the time, and he said, and who were the people that tried to kill Dragonlance? And Liz raised her hand and said, that would be my mom. <laughs> 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 so, oh. yeah. So, um, and that was actually Peter... a, that was that was actually a fun meeting because because Peter Atkinson called me up immediately after that meeting and apologized. <laughs> to me for you know <laughs> saying terrible things about how, what had happened to Dragonlance and it was completely out of the blue for me I had absolutely no idea what he was talking about but you know <laughs> graciously accepted his apology what else could I do uh-huh. and then then of course they wanted to bring it back and so then we did they brought us back and they, we did the War of Souls and and uh yeah it's 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 had a crazy life and then with the whole resurgence of dungeons and dragons um dragon lance is back again i i love it yeah i one of the things that i'm excited about is um you know dungeons and dragons fifth edition has been selling very well record sales in fact and people are still talking about wanting uh to play Dragonlance and uh you know we we at the Nexus have been trying to do our part to help out in a unofficial capacity and um uh but it's been a lot of fun and I've gotten to I'm still playing Dragonlance all these years later you know so <laughs> I'm a huge fan of 5th edition I think 5th edition you know it it's like fifth times the charm 
um, that I, I feel like they, I, I feel like oddly enough that that they've they've been trying to improve D and D every few years, and um, uh, and finally got back to where they were um, with a rule set that really works and and uh, is oh, imaginative yeah. and something that 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 people can actually play. And, and so I, I, I personally think fifth edition is a great, um, a great version of, uh, of AD and D and, and, uh, I'd love to see Dragonlance set in it. I think the, the work you guys are doing at the Nexus certainly is, is something that people are looking for. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So I want to kind of travel back through the river of time a little bit, and uh, we'll need a kender for that. Margaret, do you <laughs> have one? <laughs> well, they, we there might have been one already. We don't know, but it, you know, one of the things uh, that we get in fandom a lot is um, we hear differing stories about how it all began. And uh, some people say this all came from, uh, you know, a game Tracy was running. And uh, I've I've heard all sorts of stories. And uh, I thought I'd give you guys a chance to, you know, tell us how it all began in uh, in your own words. Can I start, well, start with Tracy? Yeah, I no, guess so. with you. Yeah, it starts. It actually starts with my wife, um, Laura. Um, she's the one who introduced me to D and D, and um, uh, which in and of itself is is a pretty fun story. But Laura had got me involved in uh, in D and D Basic, the old you know the old blue cover Basic, where you had to uh, use the included crayon to color in the numbers on the dice. Um, <laughs> I've still got those dice, as a matter of fact. Uh, they <laughs> roll forever. The edges are all knocked off of them, and so they'll just go forever. But uh, she's the one who introduced me to it. And um, we were living uh, in uh, we were living in Utah at the time, and we'd fallen on some pretty hard times. Um, uh, I'd been out of work for a year. I was on church welfare at the time. Um, and we couldn't uh, afford shoes for our children, so we couldn't go to church. Wow. And um, But my wife and I um, had written uh, a couple of adventure modules on our own and self-published them uh, with absolutely no concept of copyright protection whatsoever. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we wrote a, a module called Rahasia. Uh, my wife actually yes. wrote that, and uh, another one called Pharaoh. Mm-hmm. Uh, we self-published those. We'd go down to a local copy shop and photocopy copies of those. We'd hand uh, assemble them uh, and uh, uh, staple them together in on our cardboard, uh, our card table in our little apartment, and uh, send them out into the world. Um, uh, we were working on the third one in that series, Vampire, at the time. And being out of work and with no prospects uh, um, and wanting to buy shoes for the kids, we had heard that TSR would buy an adventure module for like $500. And uh, this sounded like all the money in the world to us. So trying to buy shoes for the kids, we sent those modules into TSR in Wisconsin. Um, and they uh, came back to us. Uh, it turned out that Michael Gray, who was working there at the time, uh, later was uh, uh, from Milton Bradley. Um, he had already seen the work and said, we really need to hire this guy. So they offered me a job. And uh, my wife and I packed up our, our then two very small children in the back of a Volkswagen Rabbit and uh, became the first uh, the first uh, people in uh, in my family to cross the plains the other way. <laughs> um, 
And it was while we were driving a drive that long drive across uh, the plains and Nebraska and Kansas um, that uh, we started talking, Laura and I, about what we could possibly bring to the company that would um, uh, be a of value that would justify them actually paying us money to um, to design games for them. And so it was while crossing those plains that uh, a world where warriors uh, rode them to war on the backs of dragons and this great conflict um, came to life for us. And even the title, Dragonlance, was, was part of that journey that my wife and I were making, looking for a better life for ourselves and, and uh, uh, a better way of living. And that's that's where Dragonlance actually was born. Was in and that you came books. up with the first the first three characters. Yeah, and the first three characters coming across those planes. Who were the first three? Tannis, Tannis, Lorana, and Kitiara. Yeah, the love triangle. Who formed who formed the core, and and a representative of the very core of what Dragonlance is all about. It's it's that core actually that that has been maintained through the series uh, by Margaret and I that has kept Dragonlance true to its course and and true to itself. Um, so that's, that's actually where it was born. Um, we came into the company and um, <laughs> the, the, I'd like to tell the story. The, the company, it was very popular back then to hire an outside consulting group to tell you what your company was about and how to improve your company. And TSR was no uh, exception to that. They hired a group, an outside consulting group to come in and tell them about their business. And I can still remember Penny um, reading the results of that study to us in a big meeting that they had in the hotel downtown. And uh, the takes were, came down to one, Dra uh, Dungeons and Dragons is the cornerstone of your business. Two, you have lots of dungeons. Three, need more dragons. <laughs> and they paid a lot of money for this study, and I guess they got their money's worth out of that because they went out and said, we need more dragons. And it just so happened that I had this proposal for uh, for Dragonlance uh, in my pocket and uh, and proposed this um, what was then a 12 module series that um, featured uh, what was then in the uh, monster manual was the, the 12 primary dragons the six good and the six evil and uh, but I didn't want to do a dragon of the month kind of thing you know kill the white dragon take its stuff kill the black dragon take its stuff and we wanted to, as Lara and I had done from our very, from the very first, wanted to infuse story into the game. And uh, so that's that was at the very heart of the Dragonlance proposal, and that's was what was sold. Margaret was then uh, Margaret then came to the company to uh, in support of the Dragonlance, what was supposed to be Dragonlance books, isn't that right, Margaret? Yeah, they hired me. I was supposed to edit the novels the Dragonlance novels, which were the first adult novels that they had ever published. And so they hired me on as editor. And that's how I got involved in the project was um, because I was going to edit the novels. Um, I needed to take this story arc that covered 12 modules and boil it down into a story arc that we could, that could cover a trilogy and then TSR was going to hire this well-known author to write the books. And I was going to send them the synopsis as I'd come up with it, um, where I thought it might want to go. Um, and so I sat in on the game design meetings with Tracy and Doug and, and um, Michael Williams. And <laughs> we had an absolutely wonderful time. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun. Anyway, um, and uh, that's how I came to know Tracy and the world and uh, just absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, and um, 
they tried to hire authors and and you know well-known fantasy authors just laughed at them and um so we end ended up that nobody could love this world and know this world like Tracy and I did. So we took one weekend and we wrote the prologue and the first five chapters to Dragons of On Twilight. And we went into my editor, Jean Black's office on Monday and we gave her these and we said, we think we should be the ones to write this book. And she told me years later that the only reason she read it was so she wouldn't hurt our feelings. And then Tracy and I sat in my cube. It was like, what, an hour? <laughs> it was very, it very was long hour. <laughs> yes. And then Jean came in with the, the manuscript in her hand and she looked at us and she said, wow. She said, this is what we've been looking for. And we said, yes, we know. <laughs> and they fired they fired the other author and he got to keep the advance because they were afraid he was going to sue. And so they hired us and we, he'd already used up three months of his six month deadline. So we, they said we had to keep the same deadline. So we had three months to write the book. And we did. Wow. We had three months to write the book on our own time. We couldn't like, yes, take work time true. to do this. No, oh, because serious. I still was edit. No, I still was editing. My other job was editing. Um, uh, what was I at? Endless Quest novels. EQ books, like yeah. That. Endless yeah. Quest. Yeah, and Tracy, of course, was involved with game design. So yeah, we wrote uh, at nights and on weekends. That that is simply amazing, you know. And so it was born as a labor of love. Oh, yes. Yeah, very much so. In fact, I can... Yeah, I it can... wasn't born at a, in a role-playing game or anything else. We test play-tested it, I guess, maybe once or twice. Um, and that was where Bapu came out of one of those play-tests, uh, falling in love with Raceland. And um, Terry Phillips uh, portraying Raceland with a whispering voice, that came out of a play-test. But that was after everything had gotten started i think that's like one of the main misconceptions that you hear is that urban legend that you guys sat down and played all 12 modules and then wrote the stories and it's always nice <laughs> to hear that that this, this is all all a lot 99 percent of your creation and you have terry phillips and you've got the um the boopoo reference there so I, I i just really enjoy hearing that well it's 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 also interesting to note that we were learning too this uh, the idea of infusing game into story was something that had never been done before. Uh, uh, it was something that uh, my wife Laura and I brought into into uh, role playing and and into the company. And so, uh, telling an epic grand story in in a role playing game was something that had had never been done, and we were learning as well. One of the things, in fact, that we learned is that. Um, Games are better written to books than books are written to games. Um, the uh, uh, very much, if you look back on uh, Dragons of Autumn Twilight, um, there are just way too many characters and players on the stage. You know, and I used to I used to despairingly joke that it, it 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 seemed like a tour group that was going around and they were all following a flag everywhere that they went and, <laughs> and we'd help and you know, walking, we'd have and... <laughs> walking we're walking we're why and there's seven million people come through the white house every year it's it's you know and there are you know and every now and then you have to stop and count and make sure everybody's still here yeah you know and and sometimes <laughs> it felt that way um uh, at the time, we had been writing the adventure modules um, up through DL4, and uh, those had preceded uh, Margaret and I writing the, the novels. And so, Autumn Twilight very much was written to what where the games had had been up to that point. But beginning with uh, Winter Night, we were writing ahead. We were writing story and novels ahead of the games. And suddenly everything seemed to work so much better. 
um, uh, the, we we split up the group into into two storylines, and and suddenly it became freer and 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 more natural and made more sense, and and um, and the adventure modules then followed the story, and in fact worked better that way yeah, in a lot of ways. So it was very much a learning thing for us as well. Uh, a whole set of storytelling skills actually. In in role playing games that um, in in some ways have been lost today. You know what's interesting um, uh, that I know today is you know Dragonlance was in many ways the very first adventure path, and you know that's a term that we hear all the time these days. Uh, Paizo Publishing uses that quite a bit. Um, but, you know, it also interests me to note that as uh, WOTC has been kind of um, reorganized under Hasbro as like a, uh, um, you know, as, as like a division, what's that I'm trying to say? That, yeah, you know, they're a major division now of Hasbro, and uh, some of the um, wording that I had heard was that um, it's all about story-driven games. That's an interesting concept, since since story-driven games is something that um, that we brought in, and Dragonlance was the first to achieve. It's it's also interesting that for a very long time, and still to a certain extent, that when you have a role-playing game, you almost have to have a novel to go with it, to give mm-hmm. it uh, to give it a narrative backbone and and uh, and a narrative interest. Um, uh, I I know that um, Hasbro uh, um, Hasbro certainly has kind of retreated as a company in, in terms of Hasbro into just a core set of games. Uh, they don't. There's not a lot of innovation that's being done in Hasbro per se in games. Um, there are any number of iterations of Monopoly. Right. Yeah. Star Wars Monopoly, Star Trek Monopoly, you know, uh, pick a pack of pickle pepper Monopoly, um, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Monopoly and life clue, uh, you know, and those core uh, games for them. But um, they used to do quite a bit of innovation and they they just don't anymore. They're sticking with their core products. The, uh, the Wizards of the Coast continues to do innovation. Um, and and in part, I think because of the pandemic, they've been they've been seeing tremendous growth over the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you know, for me, um, the most exciting innovation that's being done in games these days is being done by independents in Kickstarter. That's where uh, tremendous innovation is taking place in games, and and. Um, it's more of it's more where the incubation of new ideas is taking place, I think. Anymore. Here we are, 37 years later. If I'm doing my math correctly. Oh, it, your math's absolutely correct, and it's very depressing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's why, Trampus, we don't do math. <laughs> we we, we skipped first, basic a couple of years ago. When I first came to the company, I think the average age of the company was 27 years old. Yes, and, uh, I was I was over 30 and I was one of the oldest people in the company. I think it was me and Larry Elmore and Kim Mohan and Gene Blatt. <laughs> Everybody yeah, else I think was that's younger. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Throughout all these years, you know, you you've met a lot of um fans and the world has grown and evolved. Um I can just imagine that you've had a number of um stories uh about all these interactions what what are you some of your favorite moments uh throughout the years with dragonlance oh my oh the uh the readers theaters were immense fun oh, that we did at gen con <laughs> the the very first year we did a readers theater was actually before the books had come out the first book had come out and I'm not even sure that that any of the modules had come out at the time. 
And it was at the University of Wisconsin Parkside, which is where Gen Con was being held at the time. And um, and it, let's see, it was uh, Margaret and I and Laura and Doug Niles and Harold Johnson. Harold, yeah, Doug Niles <laughs> played Flint. Harold Johnson was there. Uh, he played Sturm for reasons. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and Terry Phillips uh, uh, did our raceland for us at the time. Janet, and Gary Janet Pack. Pack, Janet and Gary Pack were both there as well, and you know, almost forming our own, you know, set of players. And uh, um, and David was there yes. helping us out. Yes. Uh-huh. And we did this readers theater, and we had no idea if we if anyone would show up. Um, and we had uh, <laughs> we had Liz, this huge theater. <laughs> yeah, this huge theater. We had no idea if anybody was going to come into it. And we had uh, uh, we had Liz. Um, how old was she at the time? Oh my gosh, maybe eight, seven. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Like put her in a sandwich board and had her go down the halls of the convention, <laughs> begging people, please come to my mom's play tonight. <laughs> and we had people who came. The only reason they said they came was they didn't want to disappoint this sweet little girl. The sweet little girl. <laughs> and uh, we actually had a really good crowd that night, much to our surprise. We did. We did. We had a really good crowd. And, the, and we had calendars we had mm-hmm. those big poster 1984 poster calendars with larry elmore's um first big art piece on it for us that we were giving away and signing uh-huh. uh, afterward i've still got one here somewhere that i need to get framed and put up because it is yeah. it is a it is a, a a piece of history really that i'm mm-hmm. grateful that i was able to hang on to but we did whatever we could to get people to know that Dragonlance even existed back at, at the time. And those those readers' theaters turned into an, uh, just about an annual event, actually, for a number of years at Gen Con. It did. And I really think that the readers' theater really helped sell the product. I really do. Well, and it's it's for both Margaret and I, it's it's um, it's been about the fans. I mean... We have, Margaret and I have had an extraordinary life and we have um, been able to tell our tales and, uh, and and live this remarkable life. And it's, and it really is due to the fans. I mean, mm-hmm. you're the ones who bought the books. You're the ones who, who supported us. You're the ones who kept encouraging us to keep, to move forward and, and to write something new. And uh, when we go to conventions and when we've gone to appearances, to to feel that energy from you and from and and from the audience and to connect so completely with people um, has I, this is something that that you have done that has kept Dragonlance alive. And if Dragonlance has been kept alive, it's because of the fandom. It's because of everyone who believes in Dragonlance and and in what it stands for. So our our memories of meeting people down through the years uh, uh, has been a huge part for us in, um, in in making Dragonlance very much a labor of love for us. The the new book, the new books, this new series that we're working on is so very much a labor of love for us and something which not only is something that we have that we have wanted to do for you but we have fought to do for you mm-hmm. yeah and you know we um unfortunately we can't really uh talk about that at this time but i'm looking forward to the day that um the books are out that we've uh gotten a chance to read them uh our jaws drop a little bit and then hopefully mm-hmm. if you you two are up for it uh i would love to have you on again and um we could talk a little bit about the books yeah when they come out when they come out <laughs> which we, we don't know should, we, we don't, don't know, know when that's, that's going thing. to be 
we don't <laughs> we do not have a publication date so everybody who's expecting them to come out this summer not gonna happen <laughs> yeah that's true yep. Well, it does move. Things move slowly in publishing. I mean, you know, they yeah. they it, there's an awful lot of people that have to get their ducks lined up before before they can make a book release. What I think we can say, and 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 everyone should know, is that um, we have we have finished the first two books, and we've got the outline for the third book. And uh, I'm we sorry. Go ahead. Second book. We haven't well, finished we haven't the second, finished book, the second book. We have no. a draft of the second book. Yes. Yeah, we have a draft. To be of precise. Yeah. <laughs> but but what that does mean is that we are we are very well into the project and uh, uh, have been very hard at work to get this to get this done. Well, I am I am excited for this. Go ahead, Chuck. Um, I was going to say, you know, um, I have a 11 year old daughter who's very excited that this, these new books are coming out. Actually, uh, I got her hooked on Dragonlance a few years ago. Uh, Margaret, you've actually met my daughter. Um, she was a baby oh. at the time. We were, oh, okay. You were signing. You were signing at the Source in uh, the, the Roseville in the cities. Oh yeah. And I, and I brought her through. Um, and you signed. You signed her first trilogy when she was like six months old, and she's actually read oh. them now. <laughs> Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, and I even ordered the uh, the Legends getting signed again um, at Christmas time for her. So, uh -huh. uh, and she's just like super excited that this new trilogy is coming out. And it's just been something that I just is like, wow. When I read this book uh, a couple of years ago, I'm not going to say how long <laughs> ago. Uh, when I read this, these books, <laughs> I can remember just being so excited from it. And I look at her and I see that same excitement coming out of it. And I just, that's just, I can't believe the long lasting appeal this series has had. It's just shocking oh, to me that. Um, no, we love to hear that. The, 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 more and more often we're, we're hearing from parents who are, are connecting with their children through and bonding with the, with these books and what a, what a wonderful thing that is to hear. Yeah, I remember on the uh, Facebook group, we had a uh, gentleman uh, join whose name was Raceland. And he <laughs> was looking for information on the origins of his name. You know, I thought, uh -huh. that is cool. I We had one guy came up to us at Gen Con, and he, he came up and he said, he said, I just have to tell you, he said, I am a, uh, it was like a government official that keeps track of baby names in all the states. Uh, and he said, I just want you to know that in Florida, in one year, Raceland was one of the top 15 names. And he said, I was just trying to find out where it came from. And somebody told me I should talk to you. <laughs> uh, that's neat. Yeah, it was cool. Well, on the other hand, I did have a gal write to me whose name was Nareka and wanted to know where that came from, and I was afraid oh, yes. I had to tell her that. That was <laughs> not nearly as happy an occasion. No, never met anybody named Takesis, though, so well, that's good. Yeah, I I have heard of a, a few Loranas and Tikas, and uh, mm -hmm. Uh, so that's neat. I, I don't suppose anyone will name their kid after a certain cell sword named Trampus, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Chuck had a very important question for you. And uh, the, this goes right to the core of um, his fandom, which is why aren't there more dwarf characters? <laughs> <laughs> they're very hard to work with. If you've ever worked uh -huh. with dwarves, they're just really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> they want their own trailer and it has to be a certain size trailer i it's it's they're they're just very hard to work with. there you go chuck <laughs> that, that that solves that problem then uh, i i i can build the trailer okay <laughs> along this journey uh you know you you guys have been um authors for several settings and you've done a lot of world building has there ever been a time when you thought about you know expanding the world of kren beyond ancelon 
No, I haven't. I'm a big believer in horizons. I believe that I believe that uh, a horizon is an evocative thing. It's it's a compelling thing. Uh, and um, sometimes we feel like, uh, or sometimes I feel like Ancelon has, you know, been detailed down to the point where we know where every rock and bush is located. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, I I myself prefer mystery. And and prefer the allure of the unknown. Uh, and so I I prefer to keep horizons, uh, things that are over the horizon, beyond the horizon. Um, uh, I suppose we could, you know, go beyond uh, beyond Ancelon elsewhere in the world, since you know it's it's a big world, and the actual size of Ancelon isn't you know that big in terms of area coverage. But at the same time, I mean, Middle Earth is probably about the size of England. Uh, and I don't feel any compulsion to uh, go eastward uh, across the borders of the map and and discover where the Easterlings came from, what their history is and what their societies were like. There's a moment in the films, actually, when um, when an Easterling is, is felled off the back of an olifant and lands at the feet of pretty much at the feet of uh, Frodo and and uh, Faramir. And Faramir looks down at this guy and says, you know, was was this guy any less, you know, honorable? Why is he even here? You know, and doesn't he does he have a family? And those questions were are very evocative and uh, of 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 this soldier who has died here far from his home. And um, so I, I myself don't feel a great compulsion to go beyond the horizon, and and to to see what's beyond there, um, because I think that in some ways it diminishes the magic of a place, uh, if it detracts from its from its mystery, uh, which is why I like to go new places in Ancelon and discover new things in Ancelon as opposed to trying to constantly expand outward into into a greater world. Yeah, I'm probably going to butcher this name. We always talk about how we get the names wrong. Um, We're but, not a pronunciation uh, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the continent of Talidus that was um, uh, introduced, you know, I, I remember reading that and thinking, yeah, there's some neat stuff here, you know, but it's like, it's trying to be Dragonlance without being Dragonlance. You know, I, I don't have my Knights of Salomnia and Wizards of High Sorcery and, um, it, it so, you know, some great ideas there, but it felt lacking. There was no love in that project. That was one where they were trying to cash in on the Dragonlance name and they told the game designers who did it, that they had to do it. And um, so, you know, whereas ours was a labor of love, um, that wasn't. And I think that's why it was missing the magic. And I know we're getting a little long on time here. So um, I do want to say, I know you've had several projects that have been labors of love throughout the years, but what is next on the horizon for you guys uh i know you mentioned the dragonlance um novels but uh what else are you working on i just want to get these <laughs> these finished <laughs> i'm concentrating on these right now only one world at a time tracy's doing some neat stuff i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing the i'm doing these but tracy's got neat stuff he's doing I don't know, Margaret. I think the neatest stuff is the stuff that you're working on. I mean, well, this... <laughs> I think so, but you know. <laughs> well, I've always got to have. I, I, I'm kind of scatterbrained sometimes, and I've always got, you know, things that I like to do. So, I've got I've got a few projects here that are going on, and I'm, in particular, I'm working on a, uh, probably one of the most innovative board games I have ever seen. And, uh, and I love board games. Um, I, I love, just love board games. And as I said, there's some really wonderful things that are being done in board games these days. Uh, 
Um, uh, but what I'm working on right now has really got me excited. It's 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 new and it's revolutionary, uh, which is something that I don't say lightly. Um, um, board games haven't changed much over the years, and essentially, but but there's been a lot of really great stuff being done lately, and and what I'm working on now is is pretty exciting. That hopefully that'll be coming out here. Um, um, we'll be kickstarting that actually. Um, hopefully later this year, and um, of course I've been I've been doing a lot of work in uh, for the last five years I've been doing a lot of work in VR, and especially with the void and uh, um, uh, unfortunately uh, COVID was uh, COVID uh, managed to be the demise of a lot of things. And, yeah, uh, uh, the void. Uh, uh, certainly suffered tremendously because, uh, you know, essentially we were a theme park and, uh, um, and we were working on some really amazing stuff. Um, but, uh, um, I don't actually know what's going to be happening with that. Um, I'm, uh, hoping actually that that may make a comeback and that I'll be able to go back to, uh, working on that. And I've got a couple of other things as well that they're in the fire. One of the things that, uh, one of the things that strangely I'm excited about is that a few years back, I, I did a serial novel series, started a serial novel series with my wife, the, uh, dragon's bard series. Yes. And, uh, and then all of that kind of got, um, bogged down in all of the other work that I had to get done. But and so I've been I've, we've been struggling for some time to get this third book finished so that we could finish that series and be done with it. And uh, I actually we Laura and I actually finished the last chapter of it this afternoon. Which, oh yay! Yay! Almost <laughs> congrats! Yeah. Oh God, it's about time. You know, <laughs> people listening to this, this podcast will say, you know, hey everybody, we got the book done, and they're they're going to be like, jeez, oh, it's about time, guys. <laughs> but yeah, that's we, fantastic. Got we got that uh, we get, we got that finished as uh, finished as well. So, the, um, yeah, there's uh, you know, <laughs> other than that, I'm you know building my uh, uh, Star Trek um, Enterprise ginormous model here and i i don't know how you do that i i i just do not have the patience to work with tiny parts like that you know neither do i um but uh <laughs> i've learned patience maybe it's been a good exercise um a good exercise for me to uh to do that and it's been really nice because i i was when i was a when i was a boy Wow. When I was a boy, uh, my father called me up in the afternoon and said, there's going to be this new show on television. You need to watch it. So I sat down in front of our round tube color console television set in our basement, warmed it up because, I mean, you had to warm up your television set back then. And uh, and uh, watched the first airing of the first episode of Star Trek the man trap episode when it first aired yeah. and I was totally hooked. I was as my young self back then. And, and so I, I was, uh, I was a star, uh, you know, I was a star Trek fan all through my youth. And then of course, later star Wars, uh, took its place in my heart. Um, my family's heading toward, uh, Disney world, uh, next month, actually. And I finally get to go to Galaxy's Edge. Jeez, it's about time. <laughs> and um, uh, but but building this but building this Star Wars Enterprise model when I was twelve, I must have built about ten of them, you know, because they'd always break, and then I'd have to buy another one and build another one. And uh, so so building this particular model has. Uh, really kind of taken me back to my youth and made me feel a little bit young again. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we are out of time. There are so many more things I'd love to 
chat with you guys about and hopefully we can do this again sometime but um uh i really appreciate both of you being on tonight it's been an absolute pleasure for me oh, well i'm sorry we didn't get the uh, call-in portion of the program yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that was just going to be ed faking a few voices anyway oh, okay. so <laughs> I mean, I can still do that if you want me to, but I'll, I just, I'll, I'll stay to myself. <laughs> We're really grateful to everybody and, uh, and uh, grateful to all of you out there who have kept Dragonlance alive through the lean times, good times yeah, and bad absolutely. times. We've, we've always, we've, we have always known we could count on the fans to, to be there for us, to support us, to encourage us and, and, yeah, even in even in this time of COVID, when we've had a hard time getting together with everybody, we we just want everybody to know that you're always on our mind, you're always in our thoughts, and um, and and throughout this journey that Margaret and I have had with uh, uh, with this new series that we've been working on, um, you've always you've always been there with us. We've always felt you there with us, and we're very grateful to everyone for that. Yeah. Well, with that, I think uh, we should call it a night. Um, Margaret, Tracy, thank you so much. Um, thank you wish, for having us. I wish you the best of luck with the new trilogy. We're anxious to read it. Um, on behalf of uh, Ed and uh, Chuck and myself and the Dragonlance Nexus, uh, I'm Trampus Whiteman, and have a good night.